0: Time is 10.09. Now, after a stint of festivals from Christmas to Chinese New Year, we probably had our fill of good food and drink. And if I asked you how much alcohol you drank would you look away and think, "Mm, I'm not sure I want to answer that one? Well, my next guest, naturopath Philip Watkins, has done a lot of research into how alcohol actually affects us. And if you did overdo it, then I'm sure he may have some advice for the next time. Let me welcome him into the studio now. Good morning to you, Phil.
1: Good morning, Sadia. I think it's our first for
0: 2023. Yes, it is. Indeed it is. Thanks for having me back. And it's lovely to have you in the studio. And I think this is a subject that we had actually planned to talk about you know before christmas before new year that's right and um but i think actually it's probably better for us to talk to it (laughs) afterwards now now you've you've got some um it was quite interesting i purposely didn't say anything about this research that you were telling me about because this uh, subject of alcohol has come up and we've talked about it and so this is pretty dramatic, this statement from this research that you actually have sort of carried out after this. So do tell us.
1: So the, I think, where were we? It was coming up to Alcohol Awareness Month, and mm-hmm. I think we've joked about the fact that there's a day for everything in the year. Yeah. And I was just doing something in collaboration with IMI, the clinic I'm at, and I, I came across a study that was released. Now, I don't want to obviously, I'm going to paraphrase the conclusion, but it basically said that the health benefits of low to moderate alcohol use could be the biggest myth that was sold to us since we were told smoking was good for us. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, okay, so that's obviously a pretty superlative statement and decided to then as I've done in the past, go and write an article about it. Because that gives me an excuse to read more journals and to kind of find out exactly what was going on. And it's true. And this is one of the reasons why we're going to do it, you know, obviously, you know, in December. But I think one of the more interesting sides of this is we did a segment on coffee
0: yes, which a while was, back, which was we? enlightening. Oh, my goodness. And, and uh, it
1: was. I've said this to people in the past about one of the, the interesting parts about looking at alcohol was that when I think one of the... Th- when we did the coffee segment we we mentioned that one of the three things that I see in the clinic when people want to kind of improve their health is that there's a holy triad of things they want to quit and the first one is red meat then coffee and then alcohol and it's either a combination of those things or all of them or one of them mm-hmm. and in the coffee segment we kind of I was I went into it thinking, well coffee's you know not great for you and it is one of the holy triad and I was proved completely wrong. And you can go and check that. out, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of
0: articles but about then, it. But yeah. then,
1: when it came to alcohol, there's been some, you know, research over the last ten years or so. Obviously, with resveratrol in red wine and grape skins, you know, short, you know, extending fruit fly lives, and, and all of this good press. I went into the conversation thinking that, well, I thought that one glass of wine, for example, every week, would be good for the cardiovascular system. Uh, that's all wrong, apparently.
0: <laughs> wow. That's pretty major, that, isn't it? Because people do, people are told that, you know, one glass, good for you. But- it's,
1: and look, there's obviously a caveat here that there's no... This isn't to. This is more of an observation of the research studies. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're using epidemiological studies as well, so that basically means that we're observing people over long periods of time. So, the studies, whilst they're relatively conclusive, uh, I say relatively to be, I guess, diplomatic and polite about it. They're. There still doesn't suggest that you know you should go and just drop everything, and so hopefully today we'll, we'll go through that a little bit, mm-hmm. but also some of the things that you know really are just shortening people's lives.
0: Okay, so what are the things that have come out? Obviously, to make a statement like that, so this whole thing about say moderation—that you know that one glass—and obviously we're talking about. You know, people may be drinking a lot more than that once they're out for for dinner or something. So, so what is the study saying?
1: The the I, I guess there's two comments there before the study. The first one is that my my wife's least favorite statement from me is you know everything in moderation, depending on the moderator. Mm-hmm. And the the second part of that is that when it comes to alcohol consumption, depending on the region, alcohol consumption has actually increased between 200 to 400% over the course of the pandemic. Wow. And this is either in uh, Hong Kong or Asia, where the studies are a little smaller, Mm -hmm. uh, through to the US and Australia, where the, the studies are much larger. So that's one side of it. But then the study really looked at the low to moderate group because I think this is where, as to your point around moderation, even as a practitioner, I've also try to be moderate with people because there has to be a fine line between being a human being yeah. and a clinician right yeah, yeah. but the so in this study they looked at around i think it was around 330,000 people who were alcohol drinkers okay and they classed low to moderate Uh, alcohol consumption over a weekly basis basis at 14 units so you can split that either into one or two units a night Mm -hmm. over seven nights which equals 14 or you can have your Saturday night yep your brunch on Saturday uh, lunchtime and moving into the evening however it is for you and that would equal 14 units as well so that then saw an increase in in this particular study, saw an increase in cardiovascular mortality that was, I think, almost up to 20%. And then if you add a pint in there, because this was a UK study, that risk went up further from there as well. Now, there's a big biobank of um, data that they can draw on for these types of things. And they also found that the neurodegenerative causes uh, or risk from alcohol consumption, this is, as I said, this is the low to moderate group, mm-hmm. uh, was also a lot higher and different regions of the brain that affect your executive function. So if you're new to that, executive function is basically your ability to say yes and no to things, mm-hmm. uh, to start and finish something, you know, working memory, things that we rely upon day, to do right. our daily tasks. So all of the regions of the brain that you pretty much rely you know, upon to move and to live are all affected over the longer term via this low to moderate alcohol consumption. So pretty remarkable stuff. And how do we deal with this moving forward? I, I think this statement was somewhat poignant in the sense that this may be the beginning of where cigarettes were in in the 80s,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you know, your doctor had a camel poster, you know, in the 60s with, you know, advertising cigarettes, you know, yeah. all the way back then. But then as time went by and we learnt more about the effects, um, we, we may find that we're in a new a new epoch, so to speak.
0: And do you think that there is a kind of appetite out there in terms of people... Their acceptance of this and perhaps this whole view of changing the lifestyle that they have and thinking, no, I can adapt just as we did with cigarettes, that, you know, this alcohol thing that, okay, if I'm aware of that, I will actually make a physical difference to my life and try and change some of that over time.
1: For sure. I I think that's actually the main point is that it's about choice and we've talked about that in numerous different ways as well. And the the idea though is, is that now I think we're getting more information about the, for example, alcohol and sleep. You know, a lot of people rely on alcohol to sleep, and yet it really does affect the second part of the night and the night after as mm. well. Mm. And they've got really clear studies around that as well. And I think the I see this a lot clinically in relation to different food sensitivities. People always think that, you know, there are foods affecting them. And, you know, I think finding out if something is affecting you negatively or not is actually more empowering in the sense that it brings the the sovereignty back to you in a sense. And look, there are, you know, gene changes that people can have that allow them to either better or worse or, you know, less effectively deal with alcohol. So there are genetic predispositions, you know, for example, if you have carbohydrates in your stomach when you drink, the amount of alcohol that will get to your bloodstream Yeah, the whole will absorption reduce. into
0: the stomach, that's right. So,
1: you know, even mm. the, the form of alcohol that you drink as well, so physio, you know, physio champagnes and, and different whiskies and things like that will also affect things. So I don't think it's as clear-cut as... Yes quit everything yeah. and, you know, go go on your way. I think that as we'll move forward, there'll be measures with which we can take to offset some of these things. But once again, if you're aware that there's a risk to these things, then once again, you're not going to eat McDonald's three times a day, mm. you know, knowing mm. that it's going to increase your mm. cardiovascular risk. So maybe you're not going to, you know, have that extra glass or et cetera along the way.
0: Mm. It's really very much about education, isn't it? And, it, and I suppose it sort of starts... At a very early age, where we need to be instilling some of these ideas and some of these concepts in, say, younger children or teenagers, because you know, I suppose, you know, if you look back at your teenage years and the moment that you were able to drink alcohol, everyone goes, "Oh yes, I'm going to drink it now, and I'm going to drink it." Um, so, so is that sort of part of it? Is that responsibility more on sort of the educators and the government to be aware of this? But then, on the other side, you have this whole thing about the commercial value of alcohol and the fact that it keeps the economy running and clubs open and restaurants open.
1: Even just in that short question, you can just see how much of a way we have to go to help. Mm. I think the aim of a lot of these studies is to really... is to get a get some level of clarity on the education, but also is to find a happy place because uh, one of the one of the sources of information I used brought up a really interesting point that the Chinese are actually the first to distill alcohol. So um, you know, d- despite everyone thinking it was the Irish. Mm. And the, it, this has been oh we're talking thousands of years mm. here. So mm. unraveling thousands of years of behavior, and ideas and things like that is going to take some time mm-hmm. but the the bigger question is how necessary is it you know if people are i'm coming across a lot more people who are consciously drinking less mm-hmm. just as they stop smoking yeah. so i think whether or not there's a public health element there i'm not sure i think one of the more interesting things about teenage you know alcohol use is that there's there's so much more for teenagers to get involved in now so I i'm not sure if it's just yeah. alcohol yeah. but also i think the hangover is a a pretty good um,
0: indication of the effect of it <laughs> on <don't> you.
1: <laughs> so I think there's a, there's a pretty good cause and effect element there as well, but it does go to show that we are once again at a really at a, a new horizon when it comes to alcohol and hopefully that was the the aim of today is to say well if you're, you know, I've just turned 43 and I'm you know my risk is changing as as a male and I have to be now aware that some of my behaviors and some of the behaviors that I do or don't like you know it being the case i'm going to have to take more responsibility mm. in relation to that and that's what we're finding in in a lot of studies it seems like unfortunately uh 2022 was a bad year for alcohol
0: yeah well i think the pandemic as you said that's had a huge effect on the whole consumption thing. Because I mean, people generally, when people are at home and they're relaxed, they think, okay, you know, a glass of wine with my lunch is fine. You know, you may not have done it during the office time, but maybe you're doing it then. And then this habit does grow. It is an addiction at the end of the day, as you say, like smoking. Um, I I suppose I'm quite concerned. I, I recall a long time ago, um, when I used to live in Scotland, I used to do some work with the police. And, um, and I remember one evening, because we had that in, in Edinburgh, the there were a lot of. Uh, there was a particular area which was just devoted to, to nightclubs, and it was very very busy there on a Friday and Saturday night. And I remember going um, with the police and and seeing things because I was I was supporting them with some stuff, and just seeing the chaos. And they said that well the number of you know entries to emergency on uh, on a Friday and Saturday night were you know 80 90 percent due to alcohol but it's it was a balance that you know we can't stop it because all of these people all of this whole economy relies upon it and on the other side we need to educate people about it so that they're responsible so I think you know the onus is on us the only way we can deal with this perhaps as individuals and with our family or you know in our own behavior. I mean, do you think that's just the start, isn't
1: it? It's going to be really interesting to see how the next three to five years go. I I think one of the more interesting things, though, is that you can get, you know, there are things that you can do. For example, there's some clear studies that suggest that. Uh, you know, alcohol consumption will reduce your vitamin A, vitamin D uh, intake as well, mm. and the absorption of particular sources of protein, but also it'll affect the bacteria in your gut as well. So, uh, commonly known probiotics like Lactobacillus or Bifidobacterium, for example, uh, come down quite quickly on the basis of your alcohol consumption. So, in some cases, they're you know, using a probiotic, for example, or even a, a stronger multivitamin around your consumption. You know, some of these things can also Mm. provide some level of contingency and I think that's part of the responsibility right is and part of the education is to say well we know now that we were wrong in relation to certain elements of what, how the body is affected via alcohol use, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't mitigate it with some smarter alternatives or some other lifestyle choices around you know, maybe what you eat or focusing on your sleep, for example, the, over the next few nights, which is a big, a big part of it as well. So I think this is where we are. You know, it really does describe quite a few different landscapes mm. of research at the moment where we are seeing a theme finally, Mm -hmm. where the theme is now definitely conclusive. But how we deal with that, uh, to your point around, you know, the social elements of it, but also, you know, behavioural parts of it, which is obviously a little bit more intimate, it it remains to be seen, doesn't it?
0: Mm. How has this affected you personally? I mean, like, you know, were you... um were you a sort of low moderate drinker or, you know, is has that made a physical difference to you now?
1: It's an interesting question. My personal story, I've been sober for twenty years. Oh, <laughs> um and we okay. probably haven't had that conversation. Okay. Um, but look at I mean for me it was uh, there was it was a different choice, but I've I identified quite early I have addictive tendencies, so for me it was quite an, you know, not an easy, you know, yeah. thing to go through, but I think it, it took a little while, but now, yeah, I've been, I, I think I've been teetotal, I guess is the old way of describing it for, for almost two decades now. And uh, look, there's, it, that was, that's for me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think the other side of it is, is that I don't, uh, even over that course of time, I've never really felt like that's for everyone. Yes. And I think that's the message I would hope to get out today is that even though we've learned more and, you know, my choices, etc. have have been different in that I've, I chose quite a long time ago to leave it. I, I quit cigarettes on the same day. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a different, you know, wow. a different kind of story. Wow. But, um, it is about
0: willpower uh, isn't it but i think as you as you say it's uh, it is on individuals and it's about you know i suppose it's very hard to go cold turkey immediately (laughs) anyway so it's about say gradually weaning yourself perhaps and just you know being responsible about it and then slowly cutting it down and perhaps not cutting it down completely because it's something that if you cut it down completely you're going to crave for it whatever
1: i I think the one message that i would offer from you know from our little comment there was it, if you wake up the next day and you genuinely feel negative mm-hmm. and obviously look there's some anxiety associated with alcohol use poor sleep etc but if there's a deeper Kind of pool of emotion, if you like, in relation to your behaviour or the way you feel about doing it, and it's starting to you're starting to experience those things more than your uh, you know the the gratitude for a good a good dinner with some mm. friends, for example. Then that's the time to really consider whether or not there's things to change. But also, once again, we need to obviously. Uh, make it easy for people to make those changes as well. Because I think if you do make a change, there are a lot of people who find that a little threatening. And um, yeah, it's uh, definitely, 2023 is definitely going to be a great year for questioning things that we thought were true, but may not be.
0: Well, I think that's a good place to stop, Philip, thank you so much My for pleasure. coming Thanks in today. For the it's been it's enlightening be and I hope, you know, some of the things that, that have, have gone and absorbed into people's minds. But thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks Anna.